podcast is sponsored by our amazing friends over at Adorama. Adorama is one of the best electronic retailers specializing in photo and video equipment. They also have a rad blog and video series highlighting content creators called Through the Lens, which you can find on their YouTube channel. We've partnered with Adorama to offer free education through the AOV Academy. So head over to aovacademy.com for free online courses in photo and video. Hey, what's happening, everyone? It is Prince here with Art of Visuals, and welcome to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Today's guest is Kyle Fredrickson, based out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Kyle's a 29-year-old normalish Joe running a software company by day and a travel photographer by night. With yearly vacations not satisfying the travel itch, he and his wife made a New Year's resolution in 2018 to adventure somewhere new once a month while still maintaining balance within their personal lives, careers, and healthy lifestyles. Equipped with their travel rewards, points, and a camera, they've been fortunate to fly helicopters in Hawaii, beach camp in Oregon, and live the van life in Washington. Storytelling through his camera, Kyle inspires others. Kyle inspires others anywhere. Kyle can be found on Instagram at Kyle Fredrickson and soon to be launched website KyleFredrickson.com. Kyle, what's happening, brother man? Welcome to the show. What's up, man? It's fun to be on here. It's fun like Every, I feel like every week you launch a new podcast and there's a name on there that I follow on Instagram or people who like like Paul or Andy who I've actually kind of become friends with, uh, not in person, but online. And it's kind of fun to, to share the same mic with them. Dude, absolutely. Like you just said, I'm excited to always have the, the pleasure to sit down with awesome guys like yourself on a weekly basis and really connect, you know, build deeper relationships and, and, and deeper connections within the AOV community while also inspiring all of those that listen to the episode. So I appreciate you coming on to the show. Uh, why don't you start us off by giving us a little bit more background on yourself? Yeah, for sure. So like you said, uh, I'm a 29-year-old Midwestern kid, uh, born in Minneapolis, moved to Nebraska, which is a flyover state like most people know. Uh, we have more than just cornfields. So I live in Lincoln, which is our state capital. And yeah, so I came here shortly after graduating college. I went to school. I had the full intentions of, of trying to go and playing baseball um, after college. So I played collegiate, wanted to maybe play professionally, had kind of a series of uh, knee injuries, met my wife, obviously things like that make you not want to travel on buses. Um, so I kind of just settled down here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I uh, was fortunate enough to get connected with some, some local entrepreneurs, um, started a software company with them. And fast forwarding six years, you know, I have a a full-blown business working 70 hours a week and, and trying to take some pictures on the side. I love it. I love it. So just so you guys know, photography is a side hustle, which we'll get to later. But to start out, let's 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 talk about how you got into photography first and foremost through travel. For sure. So being a Midwestern, born and raised, a lot of the things that we do are, are local. So Wyoming, Colorado, things like that. Um, a lot of outdoor nature. We don't have big cities. We're not going to, you know, Rockefeller Center and you know Chicago and things like that. And so um, my wife and I will do, you know, seven-hour car trips, go out to like Denver or we'll go to, to South Dakota or Minnesota and things like that. And we actually decided to do a destination wedding and we went out to the, the Grand Tetons. And so that was like the first time that I saw real majestic mountains. And right before we left, so she was actually the one had like the creative itch. She always wanted a camera. She wanted to start getting into like blogging and things like that, which she eventually uh, ended up doing. So for her birthday, I bought her uh, a Canon, uh, was it like SL1? So kind of an entry level camera. 
And so we go to the Tetons and it turned out that I was the one that was taking all the pictures and I just immediately fell in love with trying to capture the, the majestic mountains around us. And so that's kind of what started for me, but we uh, from there just really got into the outdoors and hiking and things of that nature. Um, so of course I tried to like master the craft and learn a little bit more about it. And I stumbled upon a guy named Sam Colder, which I think we've all heard of. And I was blown away by his travel videos. I think, have you seen like his 2017 or 2018 year in review? Man, I thought those were so sweet. So we were going on a trip to Colorado. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be like Sam Colder. And so I got a GoPro. I even went and got a drone. I went full all in. Um, and I recorded like this nine days in Colorado. Uh, and actually what started for me was kind of coming back home and starting to piece together different types of video clips and trying to tell our story. I threw it on YouTube and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I love it. I love it, dude. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see how many people have been inspired through nature. Uh, and that's kind of been the catalyst for them getting into photography and then it, it advancing from there. Those are also nice headphones you have on. Is that what you're wearing, the, the Sonys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have two pairs, bro. I, I seriously, I love those headphones so much. <laughs> I got this weird thing where I have to have one earbud out while I'm talking. Otherwise, I feel like I'm in like a hollow tube. So <laughs> I don't know how you can do that. <laughs> you're on You're on that. You have the, like the DJ. The DJ, DJ headphones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So. Now we know how you got into photography and I guess let's, since we're on the subject of photography, let's just talk about photography for a little bit before we hop over to the travel stuff. Um, so how do you, when you're out in the field doing your thing, how do you approach photographing a scene? So I think it started with me. So two things and we can tie it back to travel, but when I go somewhere new, I don't want to, to waste time. You know, there's obviously a lot of things in, in different locations. I, I'll scroll through Instagram. I, I even get on like Pinterest and Google it. And so I have like a rough idea of the scenery that I want to go to. Um, and I, I start out, you know, just taking that one main picture, like Yosemite tunnel view standard, everybody goes there. But I think where I'm, I'm leaning towards now and kind of the, the vision I have when I pull up my cameras, I think it's a lot of fun to try to, to tell the story uh, behind that place. So one of my all-time favorite photos I took was actually at Tunnel View, but it wasn't even of the mountains. It was a dude that just got out of a VW van, um, and he looks up and says, holy crap, look at these mountains, and he turns around and takes a picture of the sunset. And so the photo I got was of him taking the picture of a sunset looking away from Tunnel View. And I thought it was really cool that like you can paint this bigger picture than just the, what you're looking at from getting in the car to the road trip to when you get there to, you know, unpacking your bags to getting your camera out. And finally that aha moment of like, look at this epic Vista. Dude, absolutely. I was, I was on your Instagram right now. I was trying to find the photo. I found like, <laughs> I found like some little hot wheels, VW vans. I was like, that's not it. <laughs> that's where I started. So it's like, I had the travel itch, but being in Lincoln, Nebraska, like, I can't just hop in like a, a rental VW van and go to like an awesome mountain. Like I don't have that around me. So I saw one at the store. I'm like, you know, this would be cool to try to shoot, get the creative itch going. But um, no, yeah, I think that picture I took of that guy taking the picture is probably one of my favorites because it actually shows, I guess, like the, the emotion that people get when they go to Yosemite because like it's a pretty majestic view and you see the view, but you don't really see like all the people around it and how they react when they see it for the first time. Right. No, it's epic. I remember the first time I ever saw like coming into the valley and it's, right. you just light up. 
you're just like a big kid and you just it the scale is just unbelievable Huge. yeah and it's just beautiful awesome so let me ask you this you're doing photography part-time right now i shouldn't even say part-time it's just kind of your hobby outside of work do you have a goal at some point in your career to be able to do this is this something you'd like to do full-time yeah i think it it's scary right there's once you get a hobby and then you make that decision to go full-time in it or really put all in you you start to question does it turn from a hobby to work and right now you know i love technology i love software i love building teams and, and growing companies and it's something that i really enjoy so i can't see like in the immediate future i'm going to just put that aside plus there's people that rely on me um but you know i, I was fortunate enough to to meet um to Robert King and his media company. I've done some brand work through him and it's been a real blast. I think that, yeah, I think I'd like to slowly inch into making it more full-time. Um, you know, I think it'd be fun to shoot some weddings and things like that. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where it takes me. I love it. What are your biggest obstacles as a photographer right now? Um, I hate to make it an excuse, but I keep saying I live in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so this time of year specifically, so, so the Midwest is beautiful. Um, and I don't want to put down Lincoln cause I, I absolutely love it here. Um, until you see like a Midwest sunrise or sunset overlooking the cornfields and the bluffs, it's, it's really beautiful. Um, but this time of year, the trees die. Um, we don't get the epic fall foliage. We don't have awesome, like evergreen trees that holds onto the snow. It's flat. It's bare this time of year. It's really cold. There's not even like pretty snow to look at. Uh, the days are short. So right now my biggest, like a struggle is finding things to go shoot. So, um, what I'm actually doing is kind of following Peter McKinnon's, um, 365 day challenge where every day I take a picture of something. I don't share any of it. Um, it's a lot of times with my cell phone, it's my dog. Um, you know, it's random things on the way to the office, but, uh, it's a way for me to, to kind of keep mentally stimulated by the, the hobby. Right on. I, uh, totally understand where you're coming from as far as like living in the Midwest and saying, you know, it's kind of difficult to, you know, you're not in the PNW or this place where everything is beautiful and, and, and mountains and all types of different outdoor things to do. But, uh, I'll never forget short stash. Garrett King had mentioned a buddy of his that lives in a similar area, you know, kind of like you, where it's, it's not necessarily the most photogenic place, but he, the guy gets super creative and I'll have to figure out, I'll have to remember his Instagram and, and send it to you. But he just gets really creative and he puts out great content and it's, it's impressive because I know where he lives. And so like I have more respect for him than a lot of other photographers. Cause I'm like, anyone can go outside in the PNW and point, you know, point a camera at a beautiful mountain during sunset and walk away with a great <laughs> image. Uh, but these guys that live out in these places where there's not much and they're still putting out great content, like that's impressive to me. It takes a lot more creativity. So it's cool that you do, uh, I mean, you travel enough to where it's not a huge deal, but it's also nice that your home base does make you probably have to get a little more creative than most people. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, so I, I enjoy landscape photography and travel photography, so I, I tend to go that route, um, but I still enjoy creating. And so it could be literally simple things like shooting a little behind the scenes of, of my wife making dinner for her, kind of what she's up to. And um, I, I have a dog, right? So like, there's never enough pictures you can take of your pet. So I, I still find ways to, to stay creative. All right. Okay. Let's move into some travel stuff. So 
How do you guys afford to do all this traveling? It sounds like you're doing a trip a month. That was the goal. Um, and we got really close. The mm-hmm. the challenges again, I work quite a few hours. My wife is also a full-time career, right? So trying to, to mesh our own personal um, work schedules and time off and things like that, it's a little tough to go once a month. So we might go, you know, two and 28 days and call it, you know, once every two months because we went on two trips. But yeah, so it's not as glamorous as it sounds. That's, and we can probably talk about social media, but a lot of times you scroll your feed and you see people in, you know, tropical islands or mountains, but it's not that glamorous. So a lot of our trips are um, leaving on a Thursday night or a, a Friday evening, and it's after work. And in Lincoln, we don't have a major airport. So it's, it's leaving here at three, heading to Omaha, flying out at eight, getting to, let's just say, California by one in the morning, um, grab me a quick little hotel in Oakland cause that's where it's cheaper. And then we wake up, you know, at four in the morning and start the drive to wherever we're going. And then, you know, repeat that process where we fly back home on a Sunday. Literally, I got back from Washington a couple of days ago and I didn't get home till one in the morning. And then I worked the next day. So it's something that we want to do. So we make it work. Um, but yeah, it's not as glamorous as it always sounds. Dude, I love that. That makes me so excited though. Like you guys are putting in the hustle and the grit to make it all work. With that said, how do you go about balancing work, travel, photography, a healthy lifestyle and, you know, all those other, you know, being a family man and, and, and a great, you know, boyfriend or, or husband. Was that your wife or? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a great husband, you know, how do you balance all that out? So I'm super blessed to have a wife that shares similar goals and aspirations as I do. So it's it's really not hard to get her on board to go on some random adventure because um, she's definitely gone her fair share of them with me. Um, so that part's not too hard. The work side, uh, again, I've been blessed to, to build a team around me where I'm confident when I leave, things still get done. But just because I might get to, say, California at one in the morning doesn't mean that I don't quickly open up my, my laptop and answer emails or work at the airport. You know, the work doesn't stop when I leave. So it's literally, you know, there's 87,000 seconds in a day. It's taking advantage of each and every one of them and kind of, I don't want to say like, I don't have time for something. It just means I need to reprioritize things to make time for, to get things done. Um, And then trying to avoid external stressors. So for a lot of people, traveling is money. Um, And we knew that would be at some point a challenge. So I'm not a recent college grad. I'm not trying to eat ramen noodles every night. I'm fortunate enough to be a place where I can can do things. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to blow the bank on a trip. So um, I got really heavy into researching like travel rewards and credit card points and how to kind of work within that system um, to accumulate points where I can Literally in 2018, I've been to um, Hawaii, Oregon, California, Wyoming, Utah, Minnesota, and not a penny of flights came out of pocket. We literally leveraged travel points for everything. Um, yeah, so once we get there, it's you know food expenses, and then you know if we're in a hotel or a rental car, that's really about it. Dude, I love that. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a travel hacker on our hands here. <laughs> Tell us the goods, dude. Tell us the details. How are you doing this stuff? What can you like? It's, it's crazy. Travel's so important. Travel feeds the soul and we can talk about, you know, how it feeds your soul and what you've learned through travel, uh, in a little bit, but, uh, everyone wants to travel, but most people have this grand grandiose idea in their head of traveling is just so expensive and mm-hmm. they'll never be able to travel. So how do you guys do what you guys do? Let us let us you know let the community in on some of the tips and tricks. 
So to preface it, I'm not a financial advisor. And it can, this is not it legal advice. Trouble, right? um, so the first place I, I push people is Reddit has a, um, a subreddit called Churn Baby Churn, C-H-U-R-N. And it's a great resource. And the reason why I say that is um, you have to be really financially responsible if you want to get into travel hacking and travel rewards, because it does revolve opening lines of credits and taking advantage of credit card bonuses. So for me, um, I'm pretty much strictly chase credit cards. So they have a full suite of both business and personal cards, as well as like partners like United and Southwest. So it's kind of where I've focused primarily because those points are the most valuable. Um, I have a Southwest hub in, in Omaha and they also have a concept called a companion pass, which once you earn it, your, um, your plus one flies for free. So we went that route very heavily. Um, but yeah, it's important that you don't, take out credit cards just to get the points, load them up on balance and then not pay them. So we very strategically will open a new credit line when we have purchases that come up that we know we're gonna be spending, leverage those points, and then kind of shuffle around different cards for other purchases. And so over the course of a year, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of Chase points, thousands and thousands of Southwest points are just kind of our, our war chest, right? When we wanna go travel. Dude, that's awesome. So guys, like Kyle said, this is, we're not, he's not, he wasn't saying, Hey, everyone go open up a credit card and, and, and spend a ton of money and get the rewards. But a perfect example of this would be if you guys were already planning, you know, end of the year, say you guys are trying to, you know, alleviate some taxes or whatever it may be. And you guys are, Hey, I'm going to buy a new iMac and maybe a new MacBook or a new iMac and an iPad. When you're going to drop a few thousand dollars, that's a great time. If you guys do have a good credit score to go and get a new credit card, buy it on the credit card and then immediately pay the credit card off. And you'll instantly, a lot of the credit cards, like Kyle was saying, when you spend 3000 or $4,000 within like the first 90 days, they'll often give you a crazy amount of points. And that's yep. how you can get a lot of your travel stuff and things like that. So, um, yep. Spot on. Yeah, dude. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Is there any other things you guys do with like hotels or gas or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, so hotels, I try to leverage points for as much as I can, but we don't stay at a lot of hotels, at least in 2018. We didn't stay in quite a few of them. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll, so I use um, Outdoorsy a lot. It's an app where you can rent um, basically recreational vehicles like RVs. And for us, it was like a, a VW van. And so if you think about like the cost of travel, you have to spend money on gas, transportation, and lodging. And so if you can rent something that covers two or those three, or in the case of like an old Westie, three of the three, it's still, you know, 150 bucks a night, but it's, that's it. It's not 150 for the hotel, 20 for food, and another 30 for gas. Um, so yeah, you, you definitely have to be the right type of person that's cool living out of a van, not showering sometimes for three or four days. Um, but that's like an awesome, not only way to save money, but it's without a doubt, I think the most epic way to explore somewhere. Right. And, and, and let's talk about comfort zone. I mean, to be honest, I think traveling, it kind of irritates me when people travel and like want to stay in hotels. Like they want all the same luxuries and securities that they have when they're home. And I feel like that defeats the whole purpose of travel. The whole purpose of travel is to experience new things and to get outside of your comfort zone and to grow. And so how do you feel about, uh, or what have you learned, I guess, from traveling by getting out of your comfort zone, living out of vans and, and, and doing the van life thing for a little while? Like, what did you learn from those experiences? I think it's awesome to step away from 
your normal life. So we, we rented a VW van um, when we did the Olympic National Park, and we just did a full loop around the coast. Um, and so like from the minute we got into the van, we lost service for a lot of the trip and there's not a whole lot of ways to charge devices. Now I know we have like power banks and there's ways that we can reconnect, but we purposely let the stuff die. Uh, my camera stayed charged. That's about it. And it kind of forces you to interact with who you're with, right? It's not, it's not just waking up, taking a picture, going somewhere, you know, going to an amusement park and then going to bed at night. When you got a couple people exploring somewhere new that they've never been, they are forced to take their faces out of their phone and actually interact with one another. Uh, it it kind of changes the experience completely. I love it. Yeah, I think the I mean the goal is to to be immersed into the the world around you and to the, and to build new relationships and to see things in a different way and like leave home at home. Don't try to take home with you. Like that defeats the whole purpose of leaving to go somewhere else. Right. There's convenience behind it too. I mean, as a, as a aspiring photographer, you know, obviously morning and, and evening lights, the key. So, um, a lot of those places, like you literally can't just like wake up and drive out to for a sunrise. Like you gotta be there. And so being able to pull over, park your van, get some sleep and wake up at four in the morning already where you want to shoot at, it, it allows you to kind of experience that perfect lighting where, um, hotels don't usually give you that option. Big facts. Uh, that's a good, that's, I mean, that's a big reason why we car camp is just, you wake up and you're there and you don't have to stress out because you stayed at a hotel an hour and a half away you know, and have to wake up now and earlier, way earlier to drive and all Gotta that. Gotta leave that stuff. cozy bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, plus, it's just like, I don't know. They're just not that fun. Like, I read, like, there's something really fun about just camping in a car with a bunch of friends and like laughing all night. And it's just a different experience, you know? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like, especially with, with my wife and I together, like, well, we might do a hotel two nights in get a nice you know, food, nice shower, nice place to sleep. And then we're on, you know, to the next place the next day. So it's, it's like a good, like headquarters every now and then. Trust, yeah. I was going to say, trust me. Like I'm not, we don't necessarily dirt bag it the whole time. We like to, <laughs> it's like two, three days. Okay. We're ready for a, like an Airbnb tonight. And then, so we'll get like a little Airbnb for the night and then we'll go another three, four days Airbnb, depending on how long the trip is. So um, definitely not completely knocking the the hotel or airbnb stay situation uh, you know and i love airbnb you know so do we, i we typically won't use a hotel it'll be an airbnb if anything exactly i was just gonna say we don't do hotels we just do airbnbs uh and for various reasons it's pretty much the same price oftentimes cheaper oftentimes way more space way more comfortable your own kitchen multiple bedrooms uh and closer to where you want to be so yeah uh how many places have you been to and what's your favorite place you've been to this far? Ooh, man. So 2018 was really our first year. So to back up a little bit, like I said, I, uh, I picked up my first camera, you know, I think in like 2014. Um, but it kind of just sat on the shelf and it was more of my wife and I to share it and to have it. Um, but the first time I purposely went out to shoot with an intent was about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I was really proud of the work. So I, I decided to throw it on YouTube. And then also my very first Instagram post was that. Um, so I really have only been doing it for about a year and a half before that we were taking pretty much yearly vacations. Um, so we went to like Zion national park. Uh, we did Colorado. 
um, Colorado a couple times, uh, Minnesota, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like the once a year vacation. And then in 2018 is when we put the foot down and said, look, let's get out more and go to some really cool places. So um, we started the year going to Hawaii. We went to Kauai, um, which was a, an absolutely epic trip. It's probably my favorite place I've been just because how unique it is. Um, but is the that, timing was terrible. What's up? Is that when you hit the heli tour? It's when we did the helicopters. Yeah. So we went all in, we did boats and helicopters and it was an epic trip, but timing wise, it was about a month after they had that historic flood. So they got the most rainfall in a 24 hour period. And so like the entire North side of that coast was pretty much shut down. And, um, you know, selfishly we were bummed because we couldn't do some of the hikes, but then. Is that the Nepali coast? Yeah. And so the bigger picture was there are people who were stranded. There was lack of, you know, water that got kind of gross and dirty. And so, it was selfishly kind of upsetting, but it was also a really cool experience to kind of see how an island like that, which has a really rich tradition, was able to kind of rebuild and, and kind of merge together. Right. So that's what started the year. Okay. And then... Um, yeah, so from there, we, we went out to Yosemite in California, um, spent some time in San Francisco, uh, then from San Francisco to Yosemite. Um, we went to Oregon, so we flew into Portland, was only there for two nights. So again, not terribly, um, luxurious that people might see. We landed right away, went West, um, slept on the beach in a van, uh, which was really cool. Then the next morning went straight to like, uh, the Mount Hood area, which in a van, it's not an hour and a half drive. It's closer to four. So we kind of just went nonstop there. Um, the, the Tetons we went to, which kind of going back to your question, my favorite place is without a doubt, the, the Tetons in Wyoming. Did you drive through Idaho? We did. So we, that was my, so that's where we got married. Uh, it was a destination wedding in the Tetons. We had been there once, but obviously we didn't get out much to explore. We, we just got married. Um, so we always wanted to go back and it's hard to fly into Jackson. So we, we flew into Salt Lake city, rented a car through Turo. And then from there drove straight up through, uh, through Idaho. Nice. Let's talk about Turo for a second. Cause I think Turo is like one of those things where most people don't technically know about it yet still. Uh, yeah. and so why don't you let the audience in on what Turo is and why you use that versus like a traditional rental car company? Yeah. So Turo is really cool. It's basically Airbnb for cars. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you might want to choose that over a traditional rental car place. I'm an old man, so I'm 29. I can rent a car, but for a lot of people, I think you probably follow the podcast and, and on Instagram, they might be, you know, 23, 24 years old where, uh, either you can't rent a car or it's in a costume arm and a leg through insurance. So Turo is an app that you can pretty much search and find a car in whatever your destination is and then rent it directly from that person. And most times you can do airport pickups. So it's literally no different than getting off a plane and going to like the Hertz stand. You're just instead meeting some random person in Salt Lake City uh, who's giving you their their forerunner for the weekend. Um, Pricing wise, it's usually on par, but the reason why I like it is so like this last weekend, I was up in Washington through like the Stevens Pass area and they got dumped on with snow. And so renting like a four wheel drive big vehicle is really expensive. And so for like literally 55 bucks, I got a 2014 Range Rover um, and was able to use that for a full four days. So you definitely save money though with it too. Like, yeah, because like, like, dude, those Suburbans are crazy expensive. Like you get into those Yukon XLs and the Suburbans, which are the only four by fours that rental companies have. Yeah. Um, and technically the rental car companies, once you go off road, 
like off any paved road, you void all insurance. Yeah. So my last experience with a rental car was when we went to Colorado for, it was nine days and we, we flew into Denver. Um, and then from there we went straight South and did a, a huge loop. So we went through like URA and Silverton and Aspen. It was awesome. But the rental car, um, cause the pricing was like a little Hyundai Elantra and literally 10 minutes into the trip, um, a semi pulled in front of us, threw up a big old rock and we just shattered that windshield across the entire thing. And so, yeah, that was the last time. I decided to put something into the mountains that's, you know, uh, <laughs> half an inch off the ground. Yeah, that's funny, man. We rented a forerunner. I won't say from what company. That's why I know about not taking the car off road because we got the car stuck off roading oh, no. and uh, posted some stuff online and the rental car company saw it and it was like a fiasco. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's, I hear that. That was a lot of fun. Um, What's been one of the wildest things uh, besides the car window getting shattered? What's been some of the wildest things that have happened to you while traveling? Oh, man, I don't knock on wood. We've had really smooth experiences. I I purposely won't go through Vegas just because every flight through Vegas I get um, delayed by numerous hours. They want me to, to go gamble or something, but it's not been a good experience. But for the most part, you know, our travels have been smooth. I think um, when we were in the Tetons – we were photographing a sunrise at Schwabacher's Landing. So if you've been to the area, you know that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, we're shooting sunrise and this epic moose kind of just comes out of the forest in front of the peak and starts crossing over um, the river. And so I'm, I'm renting, uh, what is it, the, the 20, it was one of the G Master lenses. I had, I had both the 24 to 70 and then like the 100 to 400. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to switch lenses to get that close, kind of zoomed in on it. And so I put the lens next to me, shot the moose. And then when we came back, my lens was gone. And so I, I totally got like robbed switching lenses, shooting a moose. So that's probably the craziest thing that's happened to me. Holy cow. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. In the, in the Tetons? Yeah, there's like four or five photographers around us, plus, you know, just the random people kind of out walking around. And yeah, I don't know if I like I lost it, which I mean, we spent a good it's a G Master, so you know how expensive those are, twenty five hundred yeah. bucks. We yeah. spent some time stomping through the water and the in the long grass trying to find it, but I'm I'm quite confident somebody just saw me drop it, pick right. it up and run away. No, sadly that's been a thing that I think a lot of people have dealt with, not to take like a negative turn in the podcast, but uh <laughs> Like theft, seriously. I mean, we we like we we yeah. we had our car window shattered two years ago when we were in the Bay Area, and someone stole a ton of our gear. And I've heard yeah. all types of horror stories, but I've never heard of someone being like out like at the Tetons, chilling, switch a lens out, and other photographers nearby. Dude, that's that's pretty. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty low. If you guys are, if, but dude, you learn from it, right? So you know absolutely. now. You got some insurance and that kind of stuff now, and you know that if you're going to put your stuff down to maybe sit on your bag versus leaving it open with it sitting in a pouch and just kind of keep an eye on your surroundings. And it's not just theft. It's, it can be dangerous, too. I know there's a lot of, like, urban photographers out there, and that's not something that I've ever gotten into. But, dude, you see some of the photos that they post, you know, hanging off of buildings or walking the streets at night, and you just got to be aware of what's going on around you. Get your eye out of the, the lens and kind of surround yourself. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Cool. Let's chat a little bit about I'm trying to think what's next. We chat. We, we got the travel down frugally. I'm trying to think what else I want to let's jump into life. So I'm curious because you're busy, busy. If you're working 60, 70 hours a week and you're still, I don't know when you're finding time, but you're obviously still editing and posting photos and getting out to travel and 
all that good stuff. How do you, do you have like any habits or any routines or anything that you kind of stick to? No, that's a good question. Cause it's, so when I travel, I don't, traveling is not a different life. I try to mesh it with my existing life. And so for me personally, um, there's, there's both personal and mental health that are, are really important. And I think a lot of that comes into routine. So, um, regardless if I'm traveling, I'll sleep in probably a little bit later, but, um, my alarm goes off every morning at 4:21. Um, that's just cause when I scrolled the time, that's where it landed, but my alarm goes off at 4:21, and I wake up and I make a quick cup of coffee and then I'm at the gym by five. So every, every morning it starts with a workout. Um, plus if I'm not going to the gym, if it's an off day, it's good time just to kind of sit, drink coffee and, and reflect before a busy day gets in your way. Um, so yeah, my days start really early go to the gym and then my day starts at the work. So I, I'm working from seven to seven or, you know, seven to six every single day. Um, and then when I come home, it's, I try to post on Instagram at least, you know, every other day. Um, but one thing I'm practicing now is trying to leave the phone away from me and spend some personal time, you know, with my, my wife, you know, I like to get into some reading, but like TV watching it's, I have to separate my day into these, I have to make time for things that are important for me. So if I stroll Instagram and I ignore my wife, that's going to cause problems. Um, but yeah, I, I set, like, I'm a creature of habit. So I follow the same routine literally every single day. I eat a lot of the same foods, uh, things like that. Did you sound like me? You're, if someone wanted to take you out, it'd be real easy. I'm like, dude, I'm the easiest person in the world to find. Like I stick to my routine every day to a dime to where if someone wanted to find me, like it's really not like, you know exactly what I'm doing depending on what time of day it is. Oh, totally. It's like, if you call me or if you need me at like nine o'clock, good luck. Cause I'm either asleep on the couch or I'm already going to bed. Cause I got to get up early the next day. But if you need somebody to talk to you, you know, before the sun comes up, I'm always there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. How do you, how do you guys manage your finances? Like anything special that you do that's kind of just giving you a little more control with your finances that you wish you had known earlier in life? Uh, yeah, I think budgeting is, is super important. So I love technology. So like I'm the first to splurge on things that are probably unnecessary. Um, and that's okay. Right. You know, focusing on things that make you happy, but when it comes to like traveling or, or experiences, we'll call them, um, you have to budget for them. And so my wife and I are open book. Neither of us are, we don't have like split uh, accounts to manage our bank. It's all merged income and we know what we're spending money on. We have similar goals. And so we, we live a lifestyle where I don't need to be super anal about blocking off money for certain trips because that's why we work to make money to do those types of things. But yeah, dude, you, you got to have a budget if you want to not only travel, but also if you want to get into photography, because it's not a, a typically a cheap thing. Right. How do you cope with like, uh, how do you cope? I guess, how, how do you decompress? I don't know if I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like I try I'm, I'm pretty active. My brain's constantly on to something. I, that's one of my downsides is I, I lose focus on things and I'm always looking for that kind of that next fun, I guess, adventure or jolt, but, um, sticking to a routine is probably the best way. So my, my time is the morning. So going to the gym for me is decompressing. Right. I don't talk to people. I put my headphones in and it's just kind of my own Kyle time. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what type of camera gear are you using? So right now I'm shooting with Sony. Um, I have the a seven I shot with before that with the Fuji system. So mm -hmm. I had like an XT 100 and, um, I don't know if I really needed to upgrade. I just kind of took advantage of the, the a seven three is a, a good 
fast, low light camera that can shoot video, shoot picture, it's full frame. And for $2,000, um, it was kind of a no brainer for me to upgrade. Um, but man, the way it is now, like you can whip out your iPhone and take a better picture than like 95% of the, the people around you on their tripods and their, <laughs> their slacks and overhauls that are kind of getting super deep into it. No, absolutely. Um, iPhones are insane. It's funny. Every time I show someone a photo on my iPhone, they're always like, Oh, what camera did you use? I'm like, it's just the iPhone. Um, as long as you know what you're doing, there's, you can take some beautiful images just with your cell phone. Um, oh, it's true. So after that lens got jacked for me, um, my, I was a rental, which made it harder to swallow. Cause I had to go uh, to the rental store to tell the people like, Hey guys, by the way, that $2,500 lens, I probably could have just bought for myself. Now I'm paying you just cause I lost it. Um, so after that, my primary lens was the 24 to 105 from Sony, the F4. And you got to put aside the F4. I know everybody wants that 2.8, that buttery soft background. That lens is so versatile and so good. That was my main lens, but I, I ended up selling that, um, to recoup some of the cost after I got that lens stolen. Mm -hmm. And so I now have been shooting for the last probably three months with the Tamron, um, 28 to 75 and bang for buck. That lens is freaking phenomenal. Um, but going back to the iPhone, since it's a 28 millimeter, um, you know, if you're trying to shoot like a mountain overlooking a lake, like that 28 is probably not wide enough. So I literally will use my iPhone with like a raw camera app and I'll shoot on that and you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. I love that. I really do, man. Um, it's really cool where technology is going. I was at CES, uh, this week and I was at the UAG after party and, one of the representatives from red was there and we were chopping it up and he shows me the red hydrogen phone. He pulls it out and that thing's insane. Like it's a brick, <laughs> like three it, dude, it's, it's so intense, but he showed me like 3d photos and like all types of neat things and 3d video. And I was just like mind blown, like looking at this camera. I'm like, dude, this camera produced all of this. He's like, yeah. And, uh, it's just really cool to see all the advances with technology. Everything's getting smaller, lighter, and they're putting like technology, like the, the new Osmo pocket, you know, mm -hmm. they're putting technology in cameras where traditionally you'd have to buy a, a very expensive camera to get the same look. And now you're starting to be able to get the same exact look in a cell phone with portrait mode or with one of these Osmos or whatever else it may be. And it's, 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 it's an interesting time to be alive as a creator. Yeah, dude, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely in the future. And so things like the, the red, the hydrogen red, like it may not necessarily be like the most powerful camera, but the way that they built it is it's modular. So you can add or remove components as technology progresses. But a lot of times it's more on the software side of things. So like, I don't mm -hmm. shoot with the pixel, but like the pixel three, the Google AI for photography is apparently stellar. And you don't need to worry about settings. You don't even have to edit those photos. Like literally the camera will knock it out of the park out of out of camera dude you're absolutely right it's all the <clears throat> it's all the machine learning and ai uh on the software side that's giving these cameras incredible incredible just results you know and yeah. i'm excited to see that continue to develop and see where these are at in a year two years from now i can totally geek out on it but like literally in like two years you're gonna be able to go to like pick like the most amazing location that's hard to get to to photograph like you know the base of the the you know french alps whip out your phone take a photo there and with like ar or, or ai or whatever it might be at the time like 
just imagine like you can post that picture and then through virtual reality, you can like transport yourself to that place and see your entire surrounding and interact with where that photographer was. Like it's going to be life changing. It is. <clears throat> do you think since we're talking about the future now, <laughs> how do you think that experience is going to work? Are you like a proponent of VR? Because I am not. And I don't think, I don't think people want to like be in a box, like have something wrapped around their head and, and blocked off from the world and stuck in these experiences. But I think I do believe in AR. I'm a huge proponent for AR. And I think, uh, it would be really rad to have sunglasses on and to be able to check out your photos and be in it and then right. just turn it off and also just be back in the world that I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not to geek out too much on like the tech behind both of them. Like, I Unfortunately, you got to embrace it. So like we may not be thrilled about VR or I know a lot of people are afraid of AI and things like that, but it's coming and it's going to happen with or without you. So um, I think it's important for us uh, to adapt and change with it and try to be optimistic and figure out ways that we can leverage it for a common good. I don't know what that means yet. I don't do it. So I don't know what it's going to hold. But yeah, I think. I, like you said, AR, I'm really excited for. I think that there's an open up a whole new world for, for content creation. Yeah, absolutely. On a scale from one to 10, would you say that you're, uh, a, like a, a, a one, like emotionally attached to electronics or a 10 electronics, cell phones, laptops, iPads, all that stuff. They are tools, 100% tools. And I have no type of addiction towards them or the apps or anything else that comes with them. Oh, that's tough. So I'm on the extreme side. Like I'm, I'm all for them. I'm very vested into them, but I do think that they are tools. Um, and they're just that, but you know, working in software, like I can't just close myself out to it because it's my livelihood. Um, I think that, you know, look at Ansel Adams, Ansel Adams, people always talk about his black and white photos and how incredible he was. He literally is the the poster child for Photoshop and like manipulation of those images. So, mm -hmm. um, it's been around for a while. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I, I believe in technology. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't about, do you believe in technology is more or less. So there is a time where this phone, I used to check it all the time. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like I would think I heard a text message or something and I didn't, my brain would just like check your phone and, and now I've gotten away from that to where it really is a tool. There's times where I completely turn it off for a day. I can hop on there and not get sucked into 30 different things. Like I'm yep. on there to do the one thing and then I'm off, but it wasn't always like that. So more or less what I was trying to ask you was on a scale from one to 10, like, are you utilizing technology and these tools as truly just as tools or are, you know, are you often find yourself very consumed by all the technology outside of utilizing them for productivity, you know, and where oh, you nope. fall in that range. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I, I suffered from it at one point. I definitely got consumed in it and it ties directly to social media. Mm -hmm. You know, when you post something that gets 5,000 likes, you loved watching those likes come in. Or if you're going somewhere new, it's fun to scroll through and figure out, you know, all the different places and locations that you can shoot from and trying to do everything for social media. But I've, tried to work on becoming more present in my surroundings. And that means turning off the phone, um, having quiet time and using it for what it's intended for. Yeah, totally. Love that. Love that. I know you're reading some good stuff or at least have read some good stuff because you're an entrepreneur. So I know you probably spend a little bit more time on the self-development and things than maybe uh, some other people in the community. With that said, 
what is something that you've read in the, in the, you know, in your time that you think would be a phenomenal book for our creative community to help them grow? Yeah. Um, so a lot of the self-help book, I, I try to stay very industry focused cause it does have a one-to-one correlation with like the success of my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk when it comes to the creative space because the guy's a wizard with building relationships um, and kind of triggering emotion with your social media content. So you're out there creating a lot of that. A lot of the time that means you're on social media. Um, he's the person that you need to be following and, and reading and um, like the, the jab, jab hook type of stuff. Like he, he knows this stuff. Other than that, I, I more of like a movie person to be honest with you. So like I do read and I do audible books. Um, I do podcasts. I love movies, especially on the creative side and it can be literally any movie. I started to focus on like the music and the sound effects and like how the different camera angles work and like the speed ramping. And even though I don't shoot video, that whole concept and paying attention of how they're capturing that moment, I think has a direct correlation to, to photography. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on that as well. Watching well-shot movies are a great way to learn. Even even if, even though it's video, it's the same thing as photography. Like, watch how they're framing the character. Like, where are they putting them in this situation? And it's like, okay, cool. You could take a photo like that with the model, but do a much better job at telling the story because you've actually learned something by watching the movie, and you would change, the, you know, the composition, which would much do a much better job of telling the story than the way that you had it framed maybe previously. Um, so that is a great way to learn. Totally. With that said, we've been we've been chopping it up for about 50 minutes now, and I know you got uh, a busy day ahead of you. So let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Normally, when I wrap up the podcast, as you know, you listen to them. I allow the guests to, to leave the AOV community with some type of inspiration, motivation, um, you know, whatever's on their mind that they want to give back. So with that said, I'll go ahead and give you the floor. No rush. Take your time and drop it whenever you're ready. <laughs> Chop it yeah, like I don't know. Hot. Like, I don't want to get too deep, and and but yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, what you've done with AOV and the community is great because it brings together a lot of like-minded people, and it goes deeper than content creation, photography, and videography. Um, so, one of my favorite books is called The Last Lecture. And it kind of goes with some of my favorite quotes, which is there's 87,000 seconds in a day. And the premise behind the book is there's a professor, he gets diagnosed with terminal cancer, sounds really sad, I know, but it's not. And he gives his last lecture and it reflects on his life, talking about how time isn't unlimited. Um, it talks about being kind to one another and it talks about kind of savoring those daily moments. And so that's kind of like my last little nugget is like the place that we live in, like there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of external stressors. You know, you're going to work and you get road rage, but you don't know like what that person's going through in their car and things like that. So, um, for me, it's like, just let's spread a little bit more kindness. You know, you're at the grocery store, smile to somebody, or if they leave their cart, you know, right in the middle of the the sliding door, move the cart for them. It's small things like that. that I think, um, with the community, we can collectively, um, do some good. I love it, brother. I appreciate you so much, Kyle, for coming on to the show. That's a wrap. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, uh, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we've picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. 
all we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com there instead of uh, elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting art of visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app. Um, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. Uh, so check out our website, shop.artivisuals.com. Go get some free presets. The artist presets are still for sale. If you want to support the artist and you should support the artist, uh, just know that that money goes to them. And we're also going to be reworking that commission structure uh, here in the next month. So we're really stoked about that. But go get some free presets. And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us. Help us out. Go to adorama.com. Peace.